check, check. One, two, one, two. We recording, KP? Let's do this. We are here, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Project Mindset, season two, episode number five. I am your host, Coach Kev, a.k.a. Kevion, and today we've really got something special for you. Major thanks to my wife for recommending this one. I knew this would be a great story, and I just got to say I was really blown away after going into the details of my good friend, model, singer, Nadia Grace Mejia. Nadia has reached a very high level in her, her modeling career. She recently achieved her all-time high bucket list goal and landed a global marketing campaign with guests. And uh, she recently released her first song, which is called Walk on Water, which got some 600,000 plays in the first 24 hours. But I think one of the coolest things about Nadia is that she really goes against the grain with what I think you're supposed to do in this role of, of being a model and, and having to portray this image that you're always perfect all the time. She's gone through some major battles with anorexia and, and she took a step back. She took a nine-month hiatus from the industry some years back and she came back stronger and healthier than ever, being crowned Miss California 2016. And it was her openness about what she battled and, and was still battling even in that moment of being on stage, which was the catalyst that helped her take the crown home and really being uh, an, an example of authentically sharing where you're at and seeking God first in all things as the answer. There are seriously so many gems in this story. I'm going to stop talking and just let you guys listen to them all. And as always, thank you for subscribing, posting on the gram. Uh, we recorded this at our new listing at 1601 Antigua in the heart of Dover Shores in Newport Beach. So if you're only listening to this, make sure you also check it out on YouTube to get the full picture and sit back, relax, meet my good friend, Nadia Grace Mejia. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm stoked. Welcome to Project Mindset. So get us up to speed. I mean, you are a model, singer. Let's go back. How did, how did you get here? Well, when you come from parents who are, my mom was a former Miss West Virginia, competed at Miss USA, and my dad was once upon a time Rico Suave. The uh, man. <laughs> if my dad were here today, he would be fanning out. And I, I listened to that song in second grade probably 3,000 times. Yep. And I have heard it all growing up, and knowing your dad is a sex symbol makes you cringe and yeah. die a little inside. But So siblings? Siblings, yes. Yeah. I have an older sister okay. and a younger brother, so I'm the middle child. The middle child. Yes. So how old were you when that song came out? Non-existent. Okay. I was not born yet, and neither was my sister. <laughs> it came out in 1991. Okay. Um, and I was born in 95, so. Wow. Growing up, it wasn't my generation that was like, oh my gosh, your dad's Rico Suave. Okay. It was my friend's parents who were like, oh, I had posters <laughs> of your dad in my room. Oh That's my gosh, awesome. he's such a heartthrob. I'm like, who? But, yeah. Wow. Very weird. So, your mom was Miss West Virginia and also. A model. Wow. Yeah, so she competed at Miss USA, and she was a model. So I took on 
both of what my parents okay. did. My dad was in the music industry. My mom was a model and a pageant girl. And I was like, I want to take everything you guys did because they were such amazing role models in my life. And I'm like, what they're doing seemed amazing. So I want to apply it to my life. So yeah. now I'm a former Miss California. Um, I am a full-time model and I sing. So. That is so awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. So at what point did you, in your childhood, did you start to make those those decisions of like, this is what I want to do. Was it right out of the gate? You knew your mom was a model. You knew your dad was a singer. And you were like, that's what I want to do. Like, did you develop that at a very early age of, I'm going to mix those two together? No. I actually just wanted to sing. That was okay. my thing is like I would perform at all my talent shows and my like growing up karaoke was my favorite thing ever. We had one in our house and that's literally like what I did as yeah. a hobby and music was what I wanted. I never wanted to be a model and I'd see my mom's like crown on like the banister in our living right. room and I'd be like, wow, that's beautiful. Mom was a real life princess. Like I want to be one too. But I, I had never been like what it wasn't like I want to start now. I wanted to start later. And my mom wanted me to start later when it was a decision for myself okay. rather than the whole toddlers and tiaras type of deal. Right. Um, but singing was always something for me. And then I really wanted to go to culinary school. Really? Like after high school, my dream was to open up a Latin American Mediterranean fusion restaurant. Like I just had this goal of food. And, and where'd you grow up? Diamond Bar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that, I was just kind of like, oh, like. This is what I want. But then I got scouted at the U.S. Open in Huntington Beach, the, wow. the surfing event. Um, and how old were you? I was, I just turned 17. And I, it was super strange because I was just walking and this lady came up to me and she's like, you should be a model. And I was like, you're a scam. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't believe her for a second. Yeah. And then next thing I know, I was signed three days later with one of the top modeling no agencies. Way. It was Next and Management. And So were you um, a junior at that time? Yeah, I was just becoming a senior, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so immediately, three days later, you're signed. Three and days, I'm signed, and at this point, my parents are going through a lot of marital problems. Okay. So it was like, toward it, I started like lightly my senior year, but it really got serious towards the end of my senior year where my parents decided that they were going to separate for a mm. bit. Um, my family, you know, has a crazy testimony. Uh, if you go listen to my dad's stuff, you can find his testimony on YouTube. It's all about fight for your family. They come from a lot of pasts of, you know, adultery yeah. and, you know, being unfaithful, but then being faithful in God and overcoming crazy scenarios. Um, and it's really cool from like an outsider's perspective, right? I look at it and I see both your parents mm -hmm. and I f can like see the love there. So yeah. it's really cool that they have work through those things and because you know it's not easy no right? not at all they fell back in love with each other they're in their honeymoon stages like kind of see that going on i'm yeah. like wow that's cool yeah no it's amazing because it was not always easy yeah. my dad worked a lot and my mom you know stayed home and my dad was rico suave 10 years when my mom was in his life and he was not being faithful and then unfortunately towards the you know at my the end of my senior year there was some adultery on my mom's side because wow. my dad constantly traveled for work yeah so it was just at this point in my life I was so angry and my mm. parents were decided to separate and I stayed behind and I stayed here I moved into a model's apartment and I was like I'm done I finished high school they left my dad went to Ecuador my mom 
went to Kentucky back to her family, and I was just like, I'm so done with and everyone. You're like 18. I was 18. Wow. I, I was 17 still because I graduated when I was 17. And so you moved into another model. So I moved place. into a model's apartment, which is where there are about six girls in a three-bedroom spot, bunk beds, and I my eyes were open to so many things that I was just not familiar with. Yeah. I was always one of those girls that had like a really fast metabolism and you know could eat what she wanted, and I didn't think anything of it. But modeling is very different. It's um an unrealistic body standard for women. Right. So when I got into it, they said I was fine. They wanted me as I was. And then I'd start coming in and they'd be like, okay, maybe lose an inch here, lose an inch here. And wow. uh, at this time, my family was gone. I cut ties with them. I didn't want to talk to them because I was just so hurt. So I focused all of my energy on my work. And did your mom give you insight as to like, hey, just know this is going to happen. They're going to tell you these things or... It was a little different for her. She was in an era of Cindy Crawford and Tyra okay. Banks where curves were accepted. Yeah. And I wasn't even curvy. I was very stick skinny at this time. Um, but so she didn't really have the idea of what I was getting myself into because it was just she was a model Is in the it, 90s. And yeah. I was a model in 2013. So. Wow. Um, so you're living in this in this model's home with five, six other models. Mm -hmm. And so you have like basically a manager who's mm -hmm. telling you, An you know, agency. yeah. So they were telling me that I needed to lose weight. And I was living amongst girls at 17 years old who were about 23, 24. Some ate just a few hard-boiled eggs a day. Some binge ate and then they threw up. Some lived off of cigarettes and alcohol. And I was just, my eyes opened to all these weird little eating disorders. And I was like, what are they doing? But yeah. these girls were working. And I was so new to it where I wasn't really working. So I was like, so whatever they're doing is right. Okay. What I'm doing must be wrong. Right. And uh, my parents, you know, have guided me my entire life, but at this point in my life, I was not speaking to them because I was so angry with everything that had happened in their marriage that I decided to focus on my energy and work. And I was like, well, my job's telling me to lose weight, so right. I'm going to do it. And you are who you spend your time with, yeah. right? Because I imagine these girls became your friends and mm -hmm. you're just, you, how, how quick of a uh, problem do you think it became? So from the time you moved in to that home, how quickly... Did it, did it, did it become an issue? Do you think? Maybe a month and a half in. No way. Yeah, I Because you just started to adopt those mm -hmm. habits. You're a product of your environment, Jeez. and I saw that, and I was like, okay, I guess I got to start doing this. So, so to like give me an idea and give the listeners an idea, mm -hmm. you go in and they tell you, hey, you're perfect. We're gonna sign you to this agency. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, amazing! How much weight did you lose at, within that first season? I, when I started, you know, obsessively counting my calories and I, I wouldn't eat over a thousand calories a day. I worked out a thousand two, calories a day. I wouldn't eat over a thousand calories oh. a day. That was like I had a thousand calories in, like this morning. I in know. my Coffee. I know. <laughs> Bulletproof coffee. Adds <laughs> up. Yeah, no. So it's crazy because I, I wouldn't do that. I ran three to four miles a yeah. day and in the matter of two months, I went from 135 pounds to 102. That's crazy. Yeah. And you're yeah. tall. I'm tall. I'm 5'11". Yeah. So you can imagine every Jeez. bone on my body was showing. And, and are you getting acknowledgement? Like, great job. Every time I'd go in, it was being commended. It was being applauded. And That's I started crazy. working. So, like, help me understand why is it like that? Is it because your 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 manager, the agency, it basically wants to be able to sell you essentially to large fashion corporations or and that's what they need you to do well i mean as a model your ideal measurements are you know a 
32, 24, 34, mm -hmm. and I wasn't that. You're a human mannequin. Basically, right. your sample sizes are a zero to a two. And thankfully, okay. nowadays, it's changing. But at that time, it was very stern to that. Yeah. So if I wasn't that, I wasn't working. So the minute I became that and I started becoming smaller and smaller, I started working. And in my head, I'm like, I'm doing something right. And by working, you mean getting? Getting modeling jobs. Okay. I was working three to four times a week for big brands like PacSun and yeah. Tilly's when I was ill. And people could see that I was ill, but that that they kind of like turn their cheek when it comes lunchtime. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it's just like, oh, well, that's their job. Right. You no, know, our job is not to starve ourselves. Our job is to be who we are. And if yeah. you find us beautiful, find us beautiful the way that we're supposed to be. But I was naive and going through a really rough time in my life. So I didn't know that. And mm. I was stuck in that pit for maybe nine to 10 months. Um, wow. of just starving myself. And yeah, I, and I could see how your closest people that you would normally rely on, mom they, and dad, right? They weren't, wor they were there as much as they could be, but sure. they were going through their own things. And it sucks because my dad to this day blames himself for everything that I went through, mm. but it wasn't. It was my own decision. It was my way of coping with things. Some people do it with alcohol. Some people yeah. do it with drugs. I did it with my body. I did it with- What a crazy um, addiction, right? Because I've never looked at that addiction in terms of like, this is your, this is my passion. This mm -hmm. is what I'm doing now. This yeah. is my career now. This is what I need to do to make it, mm -hmm. right? And it's not healthy. No, not That's at crazy. all. crazy. Yeah, it was a crazy thing. And you know, even to this day, I always say, I feel like a recovering alcoholic mm -hmm. working at a bar because right. I'm still a model still and I'm still it. surrounded by that kind of stuff. I'm still told I'm not skinny enough, not pretty enough, not good enough, but I now have my faith in God and my family restored and back to be my grounding, yeah. be, everything that I needed at that time when I was young and now I have so much more peace in it yeah. and now it's not about being that size it's about making a difference and showing change of what this industry could be if we would embrace curves and health that's so cool yeah. that's that was like a big thing as you know we've been friends for a mm -hmm. while I don't know your full story yeah. I could just feel the energy in your posts because I think um, no matter what we choose to do whether it's modeling or fashion or art or real estate or whatever i think that there's the challenges of the world society whatever you want to call it and it's so easy to to put our our, our focus on moving in, in in that direction of what the world wants mm -hmm. and so much of what i f i see you represent is like god first mm -hmm. you know and i love that message i love that you're constantly putting that there yeah well my faith is what got me through every rough time in my life you know yeah my when my family's you know love became restored and my dad went back to Kentucky fought for my mom and I saw them coming back together and God was their source the whole reason I got recovery was because of my family I shut out God I was wow. angry with God I was like why am I not these girl sizes why do I have to put myself in this position and starve myself to become this like yeah. why couldn't I just be blessed with this and you know when you're hangry, like just you haven't oh, eaten yeah. lunch. I'm I was hangry 24 seven. Oh so man! So you can imagine, I was just a very mean, sad, upset person. And yeah. I get I, hangry every day around 4:30, and I realize I haven't eaten. There you go. Because I'll just work, work, work. Mm -hmm. No, it's awful. And somebody throws some food at me. And then you become your little gremlin <laughs> self becomes yeah. happy. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. 24 um, seven hangry. 24 seven hangry. So. Um, Dad moves to Ecuador. Mom moves back to Kentucky. How long were they apart for? 
I think about six months. Six months. And then my my little brother and my my sister moved away with her boyfriend. She was mad. My brother moved with my mom, and my dad was in Ecuador, and he was actually at a church retreat. No way. He wasn't there, you know, letting out his wild oats and saying, screw your mom. It was more of just like, I want to get my life together so I can see where I went wrong as a husband so that I can come back and fight for my wife and fight for my family. How cool. Yeah. So he did that and he came back and as they were restoring, I was still falling apart. I would lightly FaceTime them. You couldn't see my body Mm -hmm. then. You could just see my face. So they didn't really know what was happening. I'm sure they could like lightly see through my modeling photos that I got in small, but then I had to go back for Christmas. This was my first time like facing them. Yeah. Nine months later, nine months later, I, uh, I went back and I got to the airport and I was broken. And at this point I was just, I was so done. And my parents saw me and got on their knees and cried and no you know, they way. said what had happened to you what? Wow. and they just felt remorse and guilt for what they saw in me because they saw that I had you know tortured myself and now and you knew right so yeah. you're you're saying saying like you got off the plane and when you when as you went through that process did you know the whole time that it wasn't right or were you just were you blinded by it and did sometimes like maybe maybe it really hit you when you got off the plane because you're now out of it? Like, what happened? Well, I think God's conviction held me accountable for my actions. I knew what I was doing. Yeah. I, I can't act like I didn't know what I was doing to my body. I just think my issue was I had so many yes men around me. For sure. I didn't have real friends in my life at yeah. that time to be like, hey, you need help. Hey, why are you skipping a meal? Hey, why aren't you coming to dinner? Yeah. I, They're saying... Great job. Here's another gig. Great job. Here's money. Here's money. Here's money. Man, Here's money. Crazy. And I was getting all this money and so reward. So you're 18? 18. Get to the airport. Your parents are just like. Down on their knees oh crying. And wow. they said, you are, we're, we're here and we're going to fight for you and we're, we're getting better and we want you to get better. And it was now, the first time I had admitted to the problem. So I'm curious, when you saw them, did were your spirits high at all? Were you like, yeah, hey, I'm going to see mom and dad? Or did you know like, oh, crap. I'm about to face the music. Like I'm about to face the okay, music. Okay, so you knew. I knew that they were the few people in my life. Did you think that life. they would react like that? No. Okay. I just thought they'd be like, why aren't you eating? Like everyone yeah. else would be like, oh my God, you're getting yeah. skinny. Like no one would ever really be like, hey, are you okay? But to see them drop to their knees. And just wow. fall. And you know, my dad, my dad is, you know, puts out this tough act, but he's a crier. He's a teddy bear. Yeah. And seeing him, he was broken when oh he saw my me. Gosh. Because... And they immediately blamed themselves. But like I said, I am responsible for my own actions. Never will I blame them. Yeah, the circumstance at the time, I wish it didn't happen. I wish things could have been differently. But these situations make you stronger. Yeah. And I mean, as we go on in my life story, it becomes stronger and stronger. And I use this bad thing in my life to change lives. Yeah. And that's all that I could ask. You know, God makes you go through it sometimes. But at the end of the day, there's always a light. And so that is so crazy. So now how long did you stay in in um, Kentucky for? About six months. So you stayed in Kentucky for six months? I stopped working. No they way. knew I needed help, and I needed to just get my life back together. Okay. Um, and gosh, at this time, so I was in recovery. My dad shoved Cheerios down my throat. We had so many. Eat. I wouldn't eat carbs. I wouldn't do anything. Do you remember and, what the first thing was that you uh, went and ate when they're like, was there a first thing where you're like, okay, I need to eat? Well, no, I might. You know when you like diet and your stomach just becomes yeah. real small. 
I just never had hunger at this right. point. So it made my dad livid when we go to eat restaurants and I just sit there panicked, not knowing what to do because I didn't want to order this because right. I always made my own food. I was very specific. I ate a can of tuna and egg whites and some turkey breast today. Yeah. That's how I lived for so long. And so to have to adjust and go to Kentucky out of all places, right. which is everything's Kentucky <laughs> fried and buttered. Yeah. The anxiety and the reality of what was going on in me really, really showed. Did you think that you weren't, since you're like, okay, I need to make the changes, were you also making those changes thinking that your modeling career was over? No. I mean, at that point, when I saw my family coming back together and when I saw that I did need help, I didn't think about modeling. Okay. My dad emailed my agents and was like, she needs time to get well. Yeah. She needs time to get better. I would and just think that if that's what the if that's what it takes and if they're saying, hey, you're doing a great job by, by being like this and then you're over here, you're not doing the things that they're saying you need to do. Yeah. I'm just curious if in your mind you're like, oh, okay, well... I'm done. Yeah. But you didn't think that at all? No, I just, I knew I needed help. And I knew that the modeling agency, although they wanted me to lose weight, I did get too small. Yeah. There was a point where I wasn't booking as much. So at mm. first when I started losing weight, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm booking everything. Okay. Then I got to the 102 pound realm and I wasn't booking things because, and then my agency was like, hey, you, you need to start putting on a little, like you're not booking jobs. They're saying you're too skinny. The clothes yeah. aren't fitting you. Everything had to be clipped. So it was just like finding that happy medium. But when you're in that position of being so sick in the head where you look at yourself in the mirror and I would look at myself, you know, when you go to the carnival and you see yourself all yeah. morphed in those things, that's how I'd see myself. Wow. I could be 102 pounds, but I saw myself as obese. I saw myself as fat. I saw that if a half a pound didn't go a day, I was devastated and beating myself up and would skip a meal because of that and how do you think that develops right i mean do you think that it, it it's it just kind of creeps up that mindset of you know looking and skinnier than you've ever been but mm -hmm. the mindset of it's not enough do you think it's a gradual thing or what what have you learned through it well, I mean, anorexia is the biggest mental health disorder with the highest mortality rate. I mean, that is like proven wow, fact. I know that. Yeah. So it's just in these moments, you it's the hardest thing. It's You can't break out of it. Like as hard as you try with God, it's different. Yeah. When I had God and when I had my family pushing, slowly but surely I was able to let go of all of the, it was the one thing I had control over is what I put into my body. Right. I didn't have control over, you know, how my parents' marriage went. Yeah. I didn't have control over if I would book work the next day. I didn't have control over all these things in my life where my, I felt like my life was falling apart. But what I could control was the caloric intake that I could put into my body. So although it wasn't good for you, mm -hmm. it was something that you actually found a little bit of an escape mm -hmm. from because mm -hmm. you had control. Correct because you could control that thing. Yeah, it was wow. the one thing where Isn't I knew. Isn't that crazy? That like you find peace in things that aren't mm -hmm. any good for you at all. I had so much peace because I knew the minute if I ate 1,200 calories a day, I would punish myself and go run six miles the next day and skip a few meals. Yeah. So it just became to this point of just so sick in the head and I just needed a wake up call. And if I just would have opened my eyes to God and opened my Bible and went to church, I know I would have been mm. different because the minute I allowed that back in my life, God broke every chain, every bound that I was tied to in my head over, you know, my body and my weight. He, he let me let go of, he helped me let go of it. 
So now here we are. She's made it to this, this platform where she was achieving success and she found herself trapped. Trapped in the way the people around her, the way the world uh, has, has encouraged her to reach this certain level. And this was the breaking point. She realized she had to make a change. It was just so crazy to hear how she was so young and impressionable and how easy it was to get trapped into doing things that really she was led to believe were good for her. And since everyone around her was doing it, why not? Especially since she was chasing her dream career. But even more eye-opening, it was to hear how we can sometimes find this peace in in things that are harmful to us and even life-threatening. Because that peace that we might be searching for and the methods we're using to find that peace, they're temporary. So listen now to the steps Nadia took to take herself out of that hole and get on the path to greatness. That's beautiful. And so tell us about the transition. How'd you shift? How did you change? Well, like I said, Gerardo Mejia with the Cheerios, shoving them down my throat was (laughs) A breakthrough for me. I think of Cheerios and I literally think of recovery because the morning I, he did that to me every single day for six months straight, I had a bowl of Cheerios in the morning. Yeah. And it was slowly. Shout out to Cheerios. Shout Shout out out to dad. (laughs) Shout out to dad. Shout out to God. Shout out to, you know what he did? This lecture before I ate these dang Cheerios. He was like, Nadia, give us this day our daily bread. Bread. Carb. Carb. God ate carbs. Right. This is how they lived in the Bible. You need to let go of that fear and just eat some carbs. And I was like, Dad, get out of my face. Like, yeah. I don't want to And that do- was hard. So did you not immediately make this decision of, okay, I'm going to eat healthy? No, I got back home and woke up the next day and still made my egg whites and oh, still did wow. things. And I, I, I knew I needed help, but I didn't know how to do it. I okay. didn't know how to take that first step. And I needed push and I needed bossed around a bit because, like I said, the yes men had me thinking I was doing things right. I needed someone to be like, no. Wow. And my dad was that person. He was like, no, that's not food. That's about 60 calories. Yeah. And that's literally not going to energize you for the day. Here's some Cheerios. That's amazing. Yeah. And so at what point did you start to feel better? How long did it take? I don't think I felt better in the beginning. I was putting on weight slowly and it was making me mad. Mm. I mean, mentally, it was something that I really, really was struggling with. But four or five months in, I was just like, okay, like I'm gaining energy back. I'm gaining joy back. I let, you know, food steal my joy for so long and like my industry steal my joy for so long. And when I found peace and love and joy in God and in my family, it was like, I want it back. Yeah. I want to feel good again. And I was able to do that. And, you know, slowly Cheerios became brown rice and brown rice became sweet potato and sweet potato became any grain. And I was opening myself up to these things where I wasn't so afraid anymore. Right. Because I was still being healthy. And well, I was that's an interesting thing, though. Like, you knew you needed to make a change, mm-hmm. but even the steps of making them, like, it was still difficult. Oh, right? it, I mean, is to rehab easy change. for anyone? Yeah. That was my rehab. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the detox that wow. you have to go through, I had to literally sit there and stop crying and stop freaking out when I would eat over 300 calories yeah. for a meal. Like, and I'd panic and I'd have these panic attacks and I carried so much anxiety wow. and it, it destroyed me for so long, but there just became a point where I didn't want to feel destroyed anymore. Okay. I didn't want to cry anymore. I wanted God to take over my life and bring me happiness because I knew he could. I saw what he did to my family. My family's a testimony for that. And 
I wanted to feel that. And I had so much love surrounding me and people supporting me to where I was just like, I need to get better and I'm not doing this and it's not going to be easy, but I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I just wanted to feel good again. And when you came back nine months later, mm-hmm. I came um, back. did you go back into living in that home? No, I, um, you know, modeling pays you really well. So I ended up having enough money to be able to get a spot. I moved in with a few roommates. Um, and yeah, I was only there for three months and then I was able to get the spot, um, in Bella Terra in Huntington beach. Cool. So, yeah. Modeling pay is dumb. So at that time when I was destroying myself, I was also able to save up a lot for myself. Nice. Um, and I went back though and my mom, her big thing was, okay, so we need to find you a transition of what you're going to do next. That's not going to make you feel so crap because right. you can go back to modeling, but Obviously, I don't know if you're capable of that, and we need to find you a hobby or something cool like pageants. And I was like, Mom, no. Because <laughs> you're 18. I'm, I'm 19, 19 now. Yeah, 19 going on 20. I turned 20 that November. And the average age of pageants are younger? No. Uh, teen pageants go from like 14 to 18. Okay. And then the Have mis- you ever done a pageant before? I had. Okay. So before I got sick, I did like a teen pageant, like my mom wanted me to do it. I won Miss Beverly Hills teen. Like I had done them and I liked them, but I didn't really have purpose behind them. When right. it came to like, what's your charity? I was like, I don't know, mom, dad, do we have anything? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Because is part of um, being involved with pageants, is it speaking? And it, what, what, what was it about the pageants that you weren't into? Uh, I mean... I th- yeah, I just think it was like, yeah, it's the beauty, it's the glitz and the glam, but it's also philanthropy. Okay. And at 16 years old, I was like, I don't know what that is. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's cool, but it was never something I was passionate about. Okay. And, my, and this message and everything that I went through with my body, I just knew that I was not the only person that felt like this. Mm. I knew that it's something that wasn't spoken out about enough because I never really knew what I was going through until I was in it. And So when your mom suggested that in the beginning, you were like, nope, not happening, and... What shifted it for you? What what caused you to say, you know what? All right, I'll try this out. I think 10 minutes later, she really just was like, not yet. Really, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> so I was easily convinced at that point because I was like, whatever I can do to help me. So it know? was about the hobby. It was like, yeah. look, so you're going to do modeling, but this is also going to be something that you could do. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay. I went back. I was still working as a model. I had gained maybe 15 pounds. I was maybe 115, 116 pounds. Um, And then I got into the pageant hobby. I had worked with a lady a few years back. Her name was Kristen Bradford and she did the whole Beverly Hills scene with me. And I like went back with her and I was like, okay, we're gonna gonna do this again. And I was like, I have a story now, I have a passion. Like what I wanted to do with pageants was I wanted to work with like the National Eating Disorder Association or be a spokesperson for Loving the skin you're in. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Were there any other girls that were in that? Because how many girls were competing at 400. the same time? 400. Anyone else sharing that kind of message? No. Yeah. Because I think pageant girls, a lot of girls going into it, just try to show that they're perfect. Mm. And I think why I won and I think what made me different was I went into my interview and said that I am, I didn't say I was a recovered anorexic. I said, I am a recovering anorexic. Wow. I am a young girl who has been through hell and back with my modeling career and this and that. I was like, but what I want to do with this title and what I want to do as Miss California is I want to use my story not only to not 
you know, I, it'll hold me accountable for my actions yeah. because speaking out about things makes you not want to be a hypocrite to your testimony. Absolutely. And I wanted to do that. And I was like, and I just want to be a voice for these young girls who feel like they're not good enough. They're not pretty enough. They're not smart enough because they are, they're worthy. They're beautiful right. in God's eyes. And you know, sometimes you just need someone to be that you voice. You came for in you. and backhanded that interview. <laughs> Woo! I, I mean, and that was the thing. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's crazy though, because you'd go in those interviews and I've judged a pageant like after my you know, Miss California years. And I see girls go in there trying to show how perfect sure. and together their life is. And I connect with the one who's like, I've been through this hardship in my life and it's made me who I am today. Yeah. And a lot of girls now will go in there with like a sob story. We're like, well, my dog died and now I'm, a, sure. you know, and then they try to make it something that's not real yeah. and relatable. But, um, at that time in my life, I was, I was just, I was so ready for change and ready to do something good with what I had gone through. And I won. Which Dang. was the craziest thing was ever. Was that the first one you entered? Um, so I had done like Miss Malibu okay. before that. And I had won that. But the first one since you came back? Yeah. So that you was come like back from Kentucky. Honcho. Your mom's like, hey, take up this little hobby. Mm -hmm. And first one is you, you enter it. It's, what is it? What exactly is the pageant called that you entered? Miss Malibu or Miss California? The, the big one. Miss big California. One. So it's Miss California. There's yeah. 400 girls. Miss California, USA. 400 girls. You go in there, I was kind of like the dark horse. They had their winners. They had their girls yeah. who they thought that were going to kill it that year. And I don't think I was that because people could, I was very open like on Instagram and stuff about what I had gone through. So they kind of thought, oh, this like skinny little bone's going to come yeah. in here and like try to, you know, win a pageant. Because I had short hair at the time. Okay. I wasn't your typical pageant girl. I didn't have big boobs and curves and could right. like fill out this dress and, you know, the perfect long hair and hair touches the ceiling because it's so big i was just like this little edgy thing you came in with a, a message that was just real yeah. and brought total transparency mm -hmm. and i think there's nothing th there isn't anything that just reaches people more than when you get on their level and you authentically share your battles your challenges mm -hmm. and i love the fact that you didn't say that you uh that you're you said that you're in recovering yeah you're recovering yeah yeah which is amazing I, I look at like you know the profession that I'm in of real estate and then my life coaching business so many of the life coaches personal development people or, or whatever you want to call it out there um, they paint that same picture like you got it all going on like you're just you're just the man yeah and uh, <laughs> for me like I love sharing about the challenges that I go through mm -hmm. uh, from work challenges to physical challenges to marriage challenges, yeah. parenting challenges. Like that's where the party's at. Mm -hmm. The party is in the, the the breakdown that we go through and acknowledging where we're at on the path. Like sure. it's not always clear skies. No. I think it's being in the middle of the storm and knowing like, all right, God, I could really use some clear ska mm -hmm. skies right now, but I accept this storm and I know you're gonna get me through it. I mean, my storm changed my life. So yeah. Miss Cal live winning Miss California and making top five at Miss USA was the most amazing experience in my life. And I wouldn't have done but any of that. But being real. But being real. That's awesome. It's my full-time job for a year straight was going and speaking at schools two to three times a week to young girls to let After them know. After that? Mm -hmm, as Miss California. Okay. So the, the crazy thing about pageants is they are what you make it. Okay. So a lot of girls can win and be like, I can't wait for the glamorous photo shoots and all the cool sure. events we can go to and the cool sponsors. And for me, it was like, God gave me this gift and this platform with a crown on my head that I know can relate to so many young girls if I would go out there and just use my story for good. 
And I did that. That's and awesome. And God blessed me my entire year through that. I didn't win Miss USA. I actually was the biggest flub at Miss USA. Oh, um, really? I got more press than the winner um, because I stuck my foot in my mouth in the top five question when they asked me to bridge the economic gap between the rich and the poor. Oh, that's funny. I listened to that this morning. Oh, you did? <laughs> well, because I was doing research. I was on my Good. bike ride. And, you know, when I'm biking, I'll be have no hand. You know, I'm not using my hands and I'm looking up stuff. Oof. It wasn't that bad. Okay. Was it that bad? You, sh- you didn't see <laughs> facial expressions as you were bike riding, so you just saw the defeat on my face. I saw the pause okay. in your response. That was a hard question. So I talked to Alana about that. Yeah. And she's like, I wouldn't know how to answer that question. Okay. Like, Think of yourself that question. on national TV being 20 years old. Your goal is to instill positive <laughs> body image in young women. Yeah. You're so passionate. You're ready for like any answer like the presidential thing was going on at the time so i was ready to you know stand my How ground you, and, no it was oh, a hard question they threw me the biggest curveball <laughs> they asked the winner like the woman in the u.s army what it was like to be a woman in the u.s army exactly and my butt gets asked to bridge the economic gap through the Come rich on. and poor so anyways how do you bridge the economic gap? <laughs> anyways I, I listened to your answer and i was like look at answer look at <laughs> It's a good answer. It wasn't bad. It was funny. It like, was the pause. It was the, you know. The hesitation yeah. because I was, I closed my eyes. And I was like, <laughs> hey, God, this was supposed to be our moment. Like, I, I wanted, to, I wanted awesome. to be, I'm crowned in your eyes, but I really wanted this crown. Why are you doing this to me? It was just kind of blank. That's I was like, awesome. Okay. Um, but point being, you got more press. I got more press. And, you know, the New York Post did this really funny article of, like, how the, my answer was correct. Like, okay. they were just kind of oh, like, that's awesome. they, there were a lot of people behind me, that's like, that awesome. was really hard. And, of course, Coach there Kev, was. I'm behind you. The whole crew <laughs> project mindset. Thank you. We're all behind you. Can I just be, like, Miss Project Mindset instead Absolutely. of Miss USA? Okay. It's cooler. Cool. Um, but, yeah, it was a crazy experience. But in that time, I saw how God used it, though, because the following week i had to go on tmz i had to go on the news i had to go on all these interviews yeah. and just like what had happened on stage and it was like you know what it gave me more of a platform to be awesome. like this doesn't define my intelligence yeah. i still can't bridge the economic gap but you know what i can do i can tell you my story and i hope it resonates with you that's beautiful and that was i feel like god more having my back rather than me being the miss usa and unfortunately you have to be politically correct all the time and you know they would have held me back from talking about yeah. god they would have held me back from talking about a lot of things because it, it's an organization that just wants to not cause any issues like what an interesting thing though you know it's it, it when you're in the middle of something and when you're going through a challenge it's so hard to know what the me- what the purpose of that thing is mm-hmm. and think that something's happening to us when yeah. really God is setting things up for us. Yeah. You know, and it's so easy to look back at the purpose of something when we're looking at it in retrospect. For sure. You know, and if there's anything that I try to encourage people to do is to just keep looking for what's awesome about the situation because mm-hmm. we find whatever it is we're looking for it's just when we're in that storm mm-hmm. i imagine after you got off stage or whatever and then things start popping up mm-hmm. you're like oh my gosh it was it was awful i mean it was there were a lot of people like that's unfair but uh, most of the comments were negative that idiot that this yeah. and that so ignorant because i i did not mean to word it like this i said the rich need to be more giving and the poor need to work hard which that came <laughs> off really bad to a lot of people which you know what i didn't mean it like the right. poor is not working hard it was just my immediate like initial like okay yeah. 
try to balance the that side and I this side. I didn't hear it like that personally. I, a lot I, of people did though, yeah, and I didn't whatever. hear it like that either. And you know, my fa- family didn't hear it like that. People who like tried to have understanding, it's like I get it. Right. But in the initial it reaction, was a hard question. Damn it! Oh, it was so freaking hard, and all I got was so much hate <laughs> of how I was like this entitled but California that became chick. The thing that gave you the voice to go out and drop more heat. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, so I wouldn't have changed that for the world. Absolutely. So I, I may not be Miss USA, but I know that year that I was crowned in God's eyes, and that's more rewarding than some temporary title. All day. So tell us about the next. So so that was 2016. The last three years you've been I've modeling. Been. You've been making music. That was okay. so cool to see your song, mm-hmm. Walk on Water, Go Nuts. I mean, how many views before whatever happened and somebody hacked the account it was crazy it right? was the craziest thing so um i did a song called walk on water and it was about my journey and trusting in god and all those hardships my music video was literally about you know my journey as a model and the rejection and pageantry and not being good enough my eating disorder i put my heart on the line and everything that i had in that video and in the beginning of the video you're being interviewed and mm-hmm. like you're telling this person everything that you've done you know as miss uh, Miss California and mm-hmm. he kind of cuts you off and says hey would you just be real with us mm-hmm. for a second is that something that you've actually gone through in, in the journey where people I mean I think for me it was just I think of going into castings and I think of going to auditions and you and I've seen girls do the pageant interviews and you go in there trying to be perfect okay so my whole thing was that song was the realization of everything so the beginning of that video was more of just like Everyone who tries to put what up this facade in the world, through. yeah, when you put out that facade in the world, how much cooler is it to be real? Like, I went in there, I was like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this and that, yeah. but the guy was like, I don't resonate with that, so what are you doing? Right. And that was the message I wanted to get across. Stop trying to put up this front that your life is perfect. Your imperfections make you beautiful. Your yeah. stories make you beautiful. That makes you relatable, and that's going to make you make a difference. Come on now. Awesome. So cool. Yeah. So you created that song. And had you, was that one of the first songs that you had put out at that level? It's my first song that wow. I've like released. And it's been something where my dad is such my dadager because, you know, former music executive, right. this and that. He's like, we just got to make sure your first thing's everything. And he was so proud behind this. Where did you was, record that? Um, I recorded it in Kentucky. How cool. Yeah, so my dad has a recording studio over there and, you know, flies a lot of his artists out there to yeah. go uh, do it. And I did. And it ended up being the most amazing thing. It got... 650,000 views on YouTube the first day That's that so it came cool. out and then YouTube That's flagged a lot it down. Of views. Yeah, they flagged it down cuz it was just it got so much traffic like you could type in N on YouTube yeah. and the first thing it came up was not even here walk on water. It was the most bizarre wow. like and it was the most amazing thing ever, but they flagged it and I'm like it's going through some investigation process because they just didn't I don't I don't know what happened. It's the craziest thing, but we reloaded it, put it back up, and two weeks later, it's at 700,000 views. Come on now. I mean, hey. One of those views was me this morning, and I was singing <laughs> it in the shower. I love that. Ask Alana. Oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was just, YouTube may have tried to take my voice down for a second, yeah. but I know God's in control, and no matter what happens, it doesn't matter the view. If I get one message across to you, young girl, that's all that matters to me. That's so cool. So what do you think are some of the qualities that, you've you've developed that you possess now that help you continue going on your path every day i think some of the qualities are being authentic and real i mean that's really what i stand for i 
you know, want women to love the skin that they're in. I want them to share their stories, share their testimonies. There's so many girls on social media nowadays where it's such a powerful platform and I don't understand why they use it for their tits and their ass. And I wish that they would just use it it's for pretty a crazy message. now. It is. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not going to sit here and act like mine's the cleanest social media. I'm a swimsuit model for right. you. Know? Like, yeah. But I'm, that's also my career and my job. And I would never do anything that would disappoint my dad. Although I do get messages like, take that down, Nadia. But, and I will. Those are the best. I listen to him. I mean, that's what matters. <laughs> and then you put him on blast afterwards. <laughs> I, but that's our relationship. So We're good. Authentic and real. That yeah. is what I'll put out. My family relationships, my modeling hardships. If I'm having a bad day on Instagram or, you know, having a bad day with my body, I'll put it out there on Instagram. Because listen, I am still a recovering anorexic. Yeah. I will not say recovered because there are days where I feel amazing and there are days where I'm so in my head and I'm still punishing myself and feeling guilt for having a bag of popcorn the night before. I mean, there, that's just something that I will always battle and it's always going to be a struggle, but God first. That's amazing. God first in it all. And I know that I will have the peace and I was put on this earth not to just be a model. I'm more than a measurement. I'm more than a pretty face. I'm more than a number on a scale. I am meant to be God's light. And whatever I can do to do that is my passion in my life. That's awesome. So what what can we expect more from Nadia in the future? What are you working on? What's next? Well... I just booked my dream job in the world. I'm booked to guess, which is wow. like the craziest thing for me. Um, How cool. I'm the heaviest I've been in my modeling career, and, you and just I booked, booked the one of dream the, job. the dream job. Come on now. Um, so that's amazing. So keep your eye Sweet. out for that. I am How cool. continuing to pursue music. Uh, so I'm not done with that. This is the transition to my career. I'm going to continue to model, but. I'm not a model who's going to try to conform to some perfect measurement. I'm a yeah. model as I am today, healthy, fit, loving every inch of myself. And that's the message I'm going to keep putting out there. So, so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Anybody you want to shout out? <sighs> shout out. Uh, shout out to dad. Um, yeah, dad, dad, you are my rock. You are my everything. You got me through every hardship in my life. And I love you more than anything. Mom, you're my best friend. Shannon Barker to my left. Thank you for not being a yes man in my life. <laughs> thank you for being one of my best friends and my voice of reason. And to God, give all the glory to God. I sound like a rapper right now, but I'm sitting here with my chain saying, give all the glory to God <laughs> because That's I awesome. would be nothing without him. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Final question, and I've been just really wanting to ask you this, but how do you think we we bridge the gap between? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Nadia. You killed it. That's it, guys. We made it happen. We made it happen. Episode five, Project Mindset. We out. Woo. That's it, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I don't know about you, but I was really left inspired out of my mind listening to Nadia's story. Hope you guys took some notes. Hope you post this. Share the best things that you heard on your Insta. Screenshot it. Tag us. And remember, sharing is caring. So share this with other people in your life that you feel this will make a profound impact on. And I would really encourage you to take a look at the people that you have in your life and ask yourself if you've got some yes people around you that might not be willing to tell you the things that you need to hear. And then ask yourself this question. The one question I have for you is, who in my life can I count on to tell me it like it is? 
and what's the question that I should ask them about where I'm at and if I'm on the right path, if there's anything I need to improve. And remember, the answers we find are determined by the questions that we ask. Keep looking for what's working. Keep looking for how you can improve. Stay focused, stay inspired, and I'll talk to you soon.